very chill and very calm and relaxed. And he's just enjoying his white Russians and and listening to listening to whale sounds and taking a bath. That's what the dude is about. I can't even remember the question, which I guess is very dude. Close Watch, Episode 9. Rob here. You can find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcatchers, as well as crookedtable.com. If you can leave us a rating and or review on Apple and now Spotify, we would really appreciate it. Be a great way to help us get the word out about the show. On this episode, Carrie Jones, longtime past and future guest of Crooked Table Productions, joins us to talk about 1998's The Big Lebowski from the Coen Brothers. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is a movie that took a while for me to come around on. Uh, in my opinion, a little bit of an acquired taste. We will get into exactly what my history with this movie is and how it contrasts with Carrie's and why, you know, you might want to look into becoming a dudist by the end of this episode. So... Stick around for that. But first, let's listen to a little bit of the trailer and then jump right into our conversation about The Big Lebowski. From the Academy Award-winning writer-director duo, The Coen Brothers. What is this? Obviously, you're not a golfer. Jeff Bridges stars as the dude. Cocktail. Careful, man. There's a beverage here. Ah! Are you employed, Mr. Lebowski? I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. In the cult classic, The Big Lebowski, John Goodman as Walter. Lucy. Lucy! You didn't think I was rolling out of here naked, did you? Julianne Moore as Maude. Was that yoga? It increases the chances of conception. Increases? See Buscemi as Donnie. They posted the next round for the tournament. What do we play? And John Turturro as... Jesus. You said it, man. Woo! The Big Lebowski. Welcome to Close Watch, the show where we find out who our guests are through the movies they love. On this episode, I am welcoming Carrie Jones to the show. Welcome, Carrie. Thanks, Rob. Glad to be back. Last time we had you on, geez, it feels like forever ago. Was it the it Grandmaster? Really was that the last time we talked on, I on the podcast? Captain at least? Marvel after that one. Maybe Captain Marvel. Yeah. I think Captain Marvel was the second one. And yes, it does feel like forever ago. I was just thinking that earlier. Well, we were talking about we were talking about doing an episode on this movie that we're going to talk about today. Uh, pre-pandemic, like forever ago, I, you, you said, or I think you said you wanted to talk about that. Like if we did another one and I was like, oh yeah. And I wrote it in my notes and it's just been like copy and pasted, moving around from one spreadsheet to another while I reorganize my thoughts. So that's why I wanted to make sure during this first round of close watch episodes that we made sure we actually got into this movie. So before we do that, tell people a little bit about yourself and and who you are and what you're what you're all about and then we'll we'll dive into the movie at hand so i'm basically nobody special i'm just a friend of rob's and took some took <laughs> that some makes college. you somebody special damn it yes i think so i think so i get to do fun things like be on podcasts and, and watch movies brand new movies with you in the theater so it's always fun but yeah i'm just an old friend of uh, rob's and Watched some, you know, did some courses in college for, for film. So love, love movies. And I've been trying to get Rob to uh, come around to this movie for a few years now. So maybe, maybe we can, maybe we can make it happen this time, Rob. Yeah. Don't, don't get me in trouble either though. It's like, I don't, <laughs> it's not that I dislike this movie. It's like, I was telling you right before we started the episode proper, I, I just don't know if I get this movie. And I think we were, you were even saying just before I, I said, welcome to Close Watch, that that this movie is, it grows on you over time. It's more of an acquired taste. It's not, it's, which is why it's, it makes sense that it's developed more of a cult following than like, it's not a broad appeal comedy. Like this is a really bad example, but like of a hangover or something like that. It's not like a $200 million 
uh, box office hit, but it's endured in a completely different way. And I would say it has much more of a legacy than a lot of those big, big money box office success stories, wouldn't you say? Definitely. So this episode, we're going to be talking about The Big Lebowski, directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen from 1998. So Carrie, why did you want to talk about The Big Lebowski, first of all? And what is what was your first experience watching it? I think I just shared the same love of it that everyone else in, in the dude cult does. I was actually talking to a friend earlier and said I was going to do this podcast. and He was just so excited and just rambled off all the wonderful things about this movie. And so I hope we get to talk about them, the cinematography, the soundtrack, and just the the sheer volume of quotable lines that you can totally live by and just adopt, your, adopt a total lifestyle and a philosophy on life. And there's just something so joyful about this movie. I really, it's just has that je ne sais quoi that just makes film what it is and i i'm getting like for for clemps just talking about it <laughs> it's just such a great film and i was thinking earlier i don't even remember the first time that i watched this movie like i said to you earlier it's one of those that gets better and better every time you watch it and you you understand it a little bit more and you get to know the characters a little bit more and they're all so vibrant and well thought out and quite a few of them are based on a lot of people real life people in uh in the Cone brothers life so it's is um, this is this one that you saw did you see this in theaters at least do you know no, that or did you, you no i'm, VHS, I'm yeah. quite sure i didn't because in 1998 i was graduating from high school and i probably would have thought i was too cool for this movie so i probably didn't see it until early 2000s when i really got into film and uh, started to learn more about all the wonders and the joys of, of filmmaking. So yeah, I can't even remember the first time and maybe that's a good thing because the dude is not really, the, the dude is not really one to uh, dwell on the past so much. He's very much a Zen master and dwells in the present. So that that's true. And that's one thing that I think I did pick up a lot, uh, a lot more on this viewing is that he does have a, he is a, a spiritual guide in a way. And that's funny because Kai and I, we, behind the scenes, we always call you our spiritual guru because, because just because that's obviously something that you're very passionate about because you've been, we, we met when we worked together, Kai lived with you when she first moved to this, to this city and you've been witness to our entire relationship. And then now your aunt Carrie to our daughter and soon to be our son. So it's like, you you going to ever present in in our life together, and so it makes sense that you would feel drawn to this movie because that this character represents it weirdly represents a, a a spiritual appreciation of the world around you. Yes, and a little bit more about me. I I graduated from USF with with a psychology degree and wanted to be a psychologist, and I lost my father the um, summer before my senior year, and just really couldn't get into the energy of psychology where you're basically experimenting on humans and putting them into some bell curve and doing uh, variance analysis on them. And it's, it became a little bit too um, sterile for me. And mm. I wanted to connect with people. I always wanted to help people and losing my father put me into uh, a more of a mysticism type path, a, Sure. A spiritual journey. It set me off on a spiritual journey. So that that time in my life, finishing college, I did my my thesis with the Honors College on the films of Wong Kar Wai, who we've done um, a podcast or two about now at this point. Yeah, I think we and did the Grandmaster, but I, I could totally see us. Did we next do the Move for on. Love too, or did I, we, we just didn't, talk about that? We talked about it. You let me borrow your okay. uh, your copy of it. We might uh, have to do that do one too, Rob. I oh, think so. Gosh. That, that is my favorite film of all time, I would say. But so yeah. anyway, the time in my life where I really started to get into film and get also corresponded with my spiritual journey. And so I opened up a new age shop. I sold crystals, some real woo woo shit, Rob, I gotta tell you. So that's where the dude also plays into my life because I have done the, the forays into 
Zen, Buddha, Buddhism, Jainism, Gnosticism, any mysticism. I've looked into it, done it, mediumship, psychic communication, all, all of this crazy stuff. And so uh, I do tend to look at films through a spiritual lens and I'll harken back to when we talked about Last Jedi and we talked about Taoism um, mm-hmm. and, the, and yep. the Jedi way and so the dude for me definitely represents a master teacher in a way. And I just love to see see him do what he does. He's the dude. But you're not into the whole brevity thing. And so, yeah, that's where I, where my life has come to involve the dude and really for me to appreciate the dude. Maybe that's why I gravitate towards it a little bit more than you do, you know? That could be. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, well, you're mentioning about the dude as uh, as a Zen master. What do you, in your in your view? What is his ethos like? What is his belief system? What what does he stand for? First of all, according to your read of the film, and then I guess what what is he meant to represent in this world of this movie? Is yeah. as we were saying, there's a lot going on, but there's also it, it, but it's There's also a lot like going is, it, on. yeah what we want to focus on is the dude and walter right right and right. so and i think that we learn about the dude a lot through his play off walter and john goodman yeah, oh my gosh just totally kills this film well everybody's I, great in this film okay yeah that's oh gosh when, so what are my notes I had the note about the, the dude's ethos that I just asked you. And then I also mm-hmm. wrote John fucking Goodman, all, all caps on, on, on the middle word there. So yeah, he, it, it's, we'll get to John Goodman so, in a second. I guess, I guess the dude's question first. So for me, it's, it's the playoff of these two men. And you have one who he tells you a little bit about himself. He's in the Seattle seven. He was part of the Huron. What's it called? The Huron? project which anti-vietnam war protests basically he'll tell you he spent his college years occupying various administration buildings and smoking high stick like he is not a military man he's the opposite of a military man and then you have walter who is totally the military man type a personality just fuming with rage just boiling under the surface And so you get to see these two men work together and solve this mystery together. And I think that's how we learn about the dude. And there's one moment in the film where he starts to freak out because they're going to kill that poor woman. And Walter's like, you're being very undue, dude. Like, Walter's (laughs) the one that blows up. Walter's the one that rages. The dude is very chill and very calm and relaxed. And he's just enjoying his white Russians and listening to whale sounds and taking a bath. That's what the dude is about. So I can't even remember the question, which I guess is very dude. (laughs) What is the dude's ethos? Like, what is his philosophy on life as you see it? He's very much got the the hippie vibe going of live live and let live and enjoy life. He's the one that's stopping and smelling the roses, you know, and that's all I can say that his ethos is being the moment. He's definitely about love, not war. He has a real sense, a real clear sense of justice and fairness. And like, he just wants the money back for his rug because it really tied the room together. Apparently. (laughs) Yes, but they they also talk about how Walter is the one that really pushes the the story forward. He's the one mm-hmm. that comes up with this idea that that the dude should be compensated for his rug. He's the one that that changes his his dirty undies for the for the supposed money. He's the one yeah. that's pushing the story forward. The dude is just trying to take a take a bath. He's tr- he's He's listening to his bowling tapes and chilling on his rug. He's getting his ass kicked and getting drugged. He's definitely more of a passive. And he's very chameleon-like. He'll take he'll take Bush's he'll take Bush's line of this aggression will not stand, and then he'll spin it and turn it around and, and give that to the big Lebowski. And then Maud says something about coitus or vagina and he spins it back around and he gives it back to her. And so he's very much, I feel like, 
he's very adaptive to his environment and and he's very much mirroring other people I feel and I think that's what his ethos is maybe is just not necessarily being a force to be reckoned with like Walter is there's there's such a such a dichotomy between the two of them and it's so great to see the two of them work together and I think I read somewhere that John Goodman said this was his favorite role of all time which I could totally see and all the characters are great John Goodman one of Hollywood's most consistently underrated actors I think it's fair to say. I think pretty much most people agree with that. I I don't believe he's ever been nominated for an Academy Award, which is ridiculous because I think he's at least deserved nominations several times. And I would say, honestly, I would say he deserved one for this. And I think if if there's an MVP of this movie, which it's hard to, to pinpoint one, I would say it probably is John Goodman, honestly. I have to agree with you, but I do have to... All of the characters are great, but I do have to talk about my man, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. I still mourn his passing to this day. He is so great in this movie. (laughs) He's so great in this movie. And I just, I love him. Steve Buscemi, John Turturro, like, they're all just killing it, bringing it. Julianne Moore. The The characters... The plot is all over the place, but the characters are so full and just bring so much to the screen. Like every time you see them, that it's amazing. It's just amazing. And even if you're not, even if you're almost wondering like, what the heck is going on here? I don't get it. I still feel like you're being entertained. Are you not? Are you not being entertained? Sam Elliott and and the world's Sam Elliott and cinema's greatest mustache. Oh my Uh, gosh. Yes. (laughs) There's a lot of there's a lot of mustache business in this movie, which I think is is another thing that that's really entertaining about it. Like everybody's sense of style. Like, do you think the would you say the dude is a style icon? Because I could yes. see I could see an argument dude, for that. He's wearing jellies, man. Okay, like what grown <laughs> man is wearing like parachute pants and jellies? Like anybody could put on one of those outfits and be totally recognizable as the dude. Like he is larger than life at this point. And that's how he lives on the dude abides, yo. Like, Oh gosh, this movie's so great, Rob. Okay. Well, to the point that you have like Avengers Endgame, obviously a couple years ago, and there's a Lebowski reference in that because Thor bro, Thor is very, very Lebowski esque with the beard and the like, open sweatshirt and just chilling with his with his beer or whatever yes he's totally permeated mainstream did it what didn't he have a super bowl ad probably he had that a super bowl right. ad yes yeah i can't remember I, I, what year it was but he did have a super bowl ad and they did a spinoff too for the jesus character i know i haven't so, seen that i was thinking about trying to track, track that down before we did this episode but it was a little, it's a little hard to come by like streaming wise. If you, mm-hmm. have to, you don't have to pay money to rent it. I'm like, I don't know if it's that important because I've heard mixed things about that movie. Uh, and I don't hundred percent know how I feel about that idea. I feel like this as a standalone might've been better. Did you, have you ever seen the Jesus rolls? No, I haven't. And I was thinking about that last night and I was just, I was wondering why anybody would really need to do that because this is a complete film. Like it's a yes. total story, you know? And I feel like, I don't know, I, ha- I can't, I can't, I can't speak to it really. I haven't seen it, but I just feel like the Big Lebowski is so complete in and of itself. And it's just so perfect that it's just one of those things that I wouldn't want to try to touch. It's like one of those perfect moments in time, you know, Right. for me. And, it, it, and it, I feel it, like it's, it's my favorite Coen Brothers movie. They, they do great things all the time, but for me, it's my favorite because it's so quirky and it's just, it's just so, I can't even tell you what it is about it, Rob. Like it's just, (laughs) and I, and I feel like if you ask any true fan of this movie, like maybe they would be speechless too, because it's, it feels like it's almost either something that you get or you don't get, you know? Right. And um, so I want you to get it and I want you to love it (laughs) as much as I do. It has like a mythical quality to it, for sure. Yes. It, it it feels like a modern myth in a way. There's this 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 guy. You could you could almost view the 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 uh, the dude as this this mysterious stranger just wandering throughout the world, like 
like Kung Fu style, the show Kung Fu. And uh, he encounters all these characters and he just goes on this, this, this adventure and gets caught up in this conspiracy and in and, and the end just goes on living his life. And that's why, where the Sam Elliott character comes in and be like, oh, dude abides. And right. I don't know about you, but that just makes me feel good. No, he's in, no one he's out there. <laughs> That yeah. the whole the whole darn human comedy he says and i in that way itself yeah in that way the movie ends on an exclamation point and a question mark in a way challenging viewers to it's it's aspirational in a way it's like maybe we should we could learn some lessons from this guy who's who's high exactly. and or drunk and just like <laughs> whatever point. man no that's just like your opinion man <laughs> exactly exactly and there are so many there are so many quotable lines in this movie and that you can adopt as your own personal philosophy and just respond to life as the dude responds and get through, get through it, make it, make it through and solve the mystery. He ends up solving the mystery in the end. It keeps perpetuating itself because the movie ends with the ultimate ending of a death. And I think that's where I'm like, oh, it's so wrapped up so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like, Ultimately, there's no better way to end the story than with a death, because that's what the end of the story is, you know? And at the same time, they let you know that it's still going on. Like, he's reproduced. There's going to be, like, a little dude somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. So there's hope for the future, but there's also, like, this understanding that something, that the story has ended in a way. The mystery is solved. And we're, we're going to drink our oat sodas, fuck it, we're going to go bowling, and life is going to continue on. And that's a beautiful thing. I think it's yeah. a beautiful thing. La vita è bella. Like, it's, oh, gosh. The, the, dude's, the dude's legacy continues philosophically, but also literally genetically. Yes. Uh, at, at, by the end of the film, which is, which is pretty cool. Yes. And essentially nothing really happens, though. There's, like, there's this whole drama, and then really he just goes back to his life so yeah it's it's very very interesting and bizarre and i just love every twist and turn of the movie and all of the wonderful characters in it and the soundtrack is great and the cinematography is awesome the dream sequences the 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 drug sequences are great well that's that's the thing i wanted to also bring up too is that this movie, parts of this movie feel like a fever dream or like, you know, it, it's a very, it's very big with the stoner community. Yes. Why specifically? Flashback. You, yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that is, I guess, that it, that it's resonated in such a strong way? And like, why do you think that, how do you think this movie's became such a phenomenon? Because it did like, it did okay when it hit theaters, like in, in its theatrical release, it, it it, I remember this coming out, and I think reviews I don't think were we were probably ready for it yet. <laughs> reviews were probably mixed to positive, but it wasn't like No Country came out, No Country for Old Men came out a decade later, and the Coen Brothers won Best Picture and Best Director, and they all these Oscars, and they finally got the due that so many cinephiles were had seen in them way back in the day. But this movie was much quieter. Just is it. Why do you think it's it's become this this cult classic? Is it just the that offbeat sense of humor? Is it the it's philosophical the world? I think it's the world that the Coen brothers have created. Mm-hmm. It's all the wonderful characters. It's the visuals, the bowling alley, the lights, the the sounds, the music. And you're obviously watching the main character getting stoned most of the time, <laughs> getting drunk most of the time. So you're certainly going to feel as a viewer as if you've been given that allowance and that permission to do that yourself. So I feel like it's automatically going to attract stoners. And then the surrealism, the dream aspects of it, the surrealistic aspects of it are always appealing to anyone who is trying to expand their consciousness, whether they're taking LSD, smoking, drinking, whatever. It's not your regular movie. Yeah. And it's and it's got its own vibe and it's got its own energy, and I think that's what what makes it such a great film. And I think it's what it, what makes it a sleeper too, because like I said, when you first watch it, you're you don't know what's going on, but you and you really have to pay attention too, because mm-hmm. 
the dialogue is amazing beyond the perfectly like quotable lines they're talking about a lot of interesting things socialism marxism nihilism pacifism judaism socialism i said socialism militarism like catholicism there's so many layers to it i feel and there's so many ways that you can look at it. It's such a rich film. I keep coming back to that word, rich. <laughs> it really takes what everybody loves about filmmaking and it puts it all into one film. For me, it does. And it and it crosses boundaries with genres. It's got a lot of different genres. You feel like it's almost a Western, but it's like a noir. It's just crime, but it's also comedy. There's some satire in there's, there, I think. A yeah, bit, yeah, there's drama, there's, there's heartache, and there's like... And then one of the things that I feel like makes a good film is if you can be crying in one moment and be laughing in the, in the very next moment. Like mm-hmm. if a film can, can take you from one extreme of emotion to the other, that's what makes a good film to me because it's, that's what I want to experience. I want to experience the highs and the lows of life, but from a safe distance of mine through the screen. And I'm watching the last moments of this film and you're sad that one of these characters has died. He, he left this hole in this trio, even though Donnie doesn't really do much and he's just told to shut the fuck up most of the time. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, know? he's Walter's, Walter's he's like, like the heart. Boy he, for he, yeah, yeah, exactly. But he, he almost feels like the heart. It's like you're you're watching the the dude and Walter just arguing most of the time, and then there's Donnie Steve Buscemi with with his beautiful Steve Buscemi face, like just bringing his energy. And in the end, he's dying, and you're feeling sad, and you may shed a tear. And then the very next moment, all of his ashes are going right in the dude's face, and you're yeah. cracking up. And that's just what I what I love about this movie is that it's so surprising in some ways, and it's just got everything that you could possibly want in a film in one film. Yeah, I, I got think some, like music sequences. It's got dancing in it. It's got anything you could want, and it's it's clever. It's interesting. It can teach you something not only it, not only about life but about experiences. They talk about Walter talks a lot about Nam and his his buddies dying face down in the muck. And then the big Lebowski lost his legs in Korea. And so there's so many like layers to the film. You can watch it without really delving into any of them and still be entertained, you know? So that's why I feel like it gets better and better every time you watch it because you, you hear something, you're like, what did he just say? Or you watch with the subtitles and I'm like, Oh, I didn't know. And you can learn something, you know, top of, just learning how to live life by the dude's way. He may not <laughs> well, have, a, have a job and his rent's not getting paid, but for the most part, he's biting. And he's he's getting by, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I I so my story with this real fast. When I was in high school, a friend of mine let me borrow this VHS and was like, This movie's amazing, it's gonna change your life. And I watched it and I was raised Catholic and I was raised by more much more conservative-minded, overprotective parents. And I was like, I don't under, I don't get it. I don't know. It's fine. I don't know. And he was like, my friend was like annoyed. I think that I didn't love this. I and, think most and, fans are, would be shocked and appalled. Um, but, but, but I, I've seen it like a couple times since over the years, five years ago, my wife and I were on our baby moon. We went to Seattle. I got an edible cookie. Again, I had no experience with with marijuana whatsoever. And so I ate the whole cookie like a doofus and then was like, whoa. And of course what happened to be on TV, but the big Lebowski. So I I got a little bit, little taste of that then before I like, I guess passed out and had very strange fever dreams. Again, going back to that. (laughs) Um, I feel like I I borrowed it from you like a year or two ago because we were going to do this episode and then it got pushed or whatever. I got distracted from podcasting. And I was like, okay, I get it a little bit, but I hadn't really, I don't know if I really took notes at that point or something. So I watched it now. And a lot of my notes are like, it sounds like we're pretty much in line now, but like, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm getting up to your level of understanding this movie. So a lot of my notes I had that the movie feels like a microcosm for life. That's confusing, messy, hilarious, intense, chill, all that stuff. 
And it, I'm thinking now, as we were talking and you were talking about Donnie's role in all this, I feel like, and tell me what you think of this interpretation. I feel like Donnie is in a way the audience surrogate. He's us being in the middle of this, being like, wait, what is happening? What's going on? I don't understand mm-hmm. this. Meanwhile, Walter is maybe, maybe uh, conservative is the wrong word, but maybe like Walter is like the, I don't know. Uh, yes, Walter's totally conservative. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Then that they, I was trying to find something. He's more militant, more cynical, yes. whatever. And then the dude is is like the the counterculture. So like if the dude is is the hippie, then Walter's like exactly you know, the, it's the institution. And so Donnie's exactly. in the middle, hearing these two completely polar opposite points of view bouncing back and forth. And Donnie's just trying to make sense of it all, like and, we yeah. are. Yeah, and Donnie just comes in and he's like, I am the walrus, you know? And that's yes. that's all we need from Donnie. And he's so, oh, it's such a great movie. Yes, you got it. You got it. You've cool. got like an Eastern Asian uh, perspective on life versus the very Western. Yes. And, and yes, it's a microcosm for the world. It's also like the wild, wild West, which it feels like a Western, which was always chaotic and frenzied and shoot them up bang bang yes you got it you got it rob i'm so i'm so glad i'm uh, so proud of you, <laughs> you i what does that say then that walter's whole thing is oh psh, a, 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 a toe with painted nail polish i can make a couple calls get you a toe this I afternoon toe. like what does yes. that say that when it comes right down to it it seems like walter was right about some of these things like walter knew that Bunny was, it was all, it was all like a scam. And he had in a way a more accurate read on the, uh, the Lebowski situation than the yes. dude does. What is that? Until what is the movie to trying the point, to tell us? Until he gets up to the point where he thinks that the big Lebowski can actually walk. And then he's totally, right. well, yes. he's totally faking <laughs> yeah. it. God. But That's yes. Cool. And also notice that the two men who are part of the institution are very angry, both the big Lebowski mm-hmm. and Walter very angry, very, very explosive. And then you've got the dude. He's totally chill for the most part. So you definitely are seeing the the play of the characters and how their choices in life have affected them and how they interact with the world, how they operate with the world. Stealing a million dollars from a bunch of urban achievers, how could you? So it's just... And, cut, and cutting off your toe for a million dollars, what will you do? So it's, there's so many interesting ways that this movie looks at life and at the way that you could look at life and the lenses that you could view life through. It's just great. I don't know. Feels, I keep coming back to it. <laughs> it feels like a little bit of class commentary too. It's just, you yes. know, it, it makes me think of the the Joker speech from The Dark Knight where he's like, if I say that like three gangbangers are gonna blow up, no one bats an eye because it's all part of the plan. It's like the 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 thing, the crimes you can get away with that are ex- socially acceptable, like having a foundation and then like funneling the money somewhere else. That that's what happens all the time, and so it's it's white collar crime. It's whatever. You're cool, but but you, the dude gets gets mixed up in the uh, criminal elements in a way that. He doesn't really like he literally did nothing wrong. He's trying, he just wants his fucking rug back, man. Right. Because all the dudes wanted was tied the room back. together. Yes. Yes. And that's and so actually his vibe, based off it, one of the Cone yeah. brothers' friends in real life who would talk about his rug. And he, he it wasn't a it wasn't a very fancy rug, but it really tied that man's room together. And that just that little piece of information is like what started this whole movie and they based the dude off of their friend jeff dowd some of the other characters are based off of their friends they had a softball league it wasn't bowling it was softball and the cone brother the cone brothers decided to make it about bowling mm-hmm. so i like that aspect i think is what also makes this film great is because it ha- it has a little bit of truth like it's so it's so quirky and so far out there but yet it's based on people that they really know, like these really interesting people that they know. And so it carries this um, energy of truthfulness to it. Whereas some stories are like, oh, I know that I'm supposed to suspend my disbelief, but come on. It's like you can totally become immersed in this world and wrapped up in it. And that's the best part of this movie is it's a whole vibe. It's a whole thing. 
It's very so, much a vibe movie. That's that's the, the like you were saying earlier. Like it it a hundred percent works if you want to try and get wrapped up in the mystery and follow everything. I, I did a, a previous episode of this show on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer, and I think that has a similar feel. Like it's this it's this mystery vibe going on throughout the course of the movie. It's very noir esque. And I, if you want to get wrapped up in like all the details and intricacies of that, you can, or you could just like relax, chill out and enjoy the, like the really fun performances, the unforgettable dialogue, all that stuff. And I don't think you need, you don't need to really get sucked into that. What, what's cool about this one is that it functions as, it, it feels like there's some moments in the matrix trilogy later on where they're like, let's have a philosophical conversation for no reason in the middle of a scene. <laughs> This interesting idea, but what the hell does this have to do with anything? But here it's it's much more dynamic. I think it fits more comfortably into these characters, into the situations that they're put in. And so it's it's basically a vehicle for the Coen brothers to have a, a to have a philosophical conversation, but also with like, you know, musical numbers and and all these these wild characters and and off right and also twists. political commentary commentary 100%. on war one of the tidbits that i learned when i was researching last night is that the check that he writes in the beginning for his half and half is dated september 11th 1991 and then oh, wow. we look up and bush is talking on the tv and it's like and then with the dream sequence with Saddam Hussein later on there's an energy to it it's like a creepy omen almost uh, too yeah. so you can even take the Big Lebowski into conspiracy theory like realms if you want it to I don't it doesn't need to go that far but there's so many levels that you can watch this movie on and appreciate it so people who don't I just I don't understand <laughs> well, I'm glad we're starting to finally understand each other, Carrie. Yeah, this far into our friendship. Uh, this is not like our black swan conversation. It, oh God, yeah. <laughs> we, we should do a a we should do a re- role reverse should... episode where you're asking me like, "What's up, Rob? Why do you like this movie?" I'm like, uh. <laughs> I'll have to have my my counter argument ready to go. That would be another great podcast series. That would be like, just like a hater and a lover of the same film just duking it out totally. I've thought about things like that, like doing a some I would do that like that or something. Yeah, I've been meaning to do stuff for the YouTube channel, so maybe that would be a good like streaming thing too. Cool. Or something. I don't know. Yeah. I have lots of ideas. I don't have the time or energy to execute. Them all, but <laughs> I have lots of ideas. <laughs> That's it's got to start somewhere. That's the first step is have the idea, and the next step is exactly. sit on it for a couple decades, and then be like, I should do that. Procrastinator's way. Yeah, it is. The dude would It'll be like, eh, it's whatever, man. Right. He would. He would approve. Is there? I know the answer to this already, but is there a particular? character in this movie you connect to personally i think we already know who it is but oh, i guess yeah. in addition I to the that, dude who's I second gave place it away. i gave it away grant oh my gosh philip seymour hoffman i love him so much i just yeah. he's my favorite actor i've just determined that he's my favorite actor and i love him i love him and everything he's ever done and i just think he's so great in this film like he's just so awkward and nerdy and even when he's not even when he's just like in the background, he's stealing the show. I, oh gosh, he's just yeah, so in the moment. To things, his reactions like to the bunny dude or whatever. with Bunny, that's marvelous. Like his laughs and we've been frantically trying to reach you, dude. And like all of the voicemail messages, the answering machine messages. I just, he's just so great. But there are, there are so many great characters. It's like, it would be really hard to pick the best one. Everybody just does such a, phenomenal job we've talked a lot about some of the great moments and and quotes and things like that is there a specific one that that stands out to you i think pretty much everything walter says i i I was like oh that's great but there's one i think he i think it's him that says this is not nom this is bowling there are rules (laughs) that was one that really stood out to me yes i wrote i wrote that one down my favorite one and, and the reason why it's it's my favorite one is because I always have to catch myself from saying it sometimes, but I just love that's fucking interesting, man. That's, that's fucking interesting. (laughs) I just, I don't know why, but it just tickles me every time. And it's just one of my favorites. I mean, when when he says, um, 
this is a bummer, man. Like when he's smoking his joint, he's like, this is a bummer, man. Like, that's a bummer. I say that all the time. The rug really tied the room together. There's so many gifts that came out of this movie too. Aggression will not stand. Uh, the, fucking dude, let's go bowling. I love. Has the whole world gone crazy? Am I the only around here who gives a shit about the rules? Yes. That's another great one. Her life is in your hands. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Shut the yeah, fuck up, course. Donnie. Is like probably one of, the, one of the greatest ones. Of course, there's like, yeah, well, that's just like your opinion, man. Or I can get you a toe. Oh, I love this one. Whenever a phone rings, I always say out loud, "Your phone's ringing, dude." <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also like to say, we believe in nothing. We believe in nothing, Lebowski. And she she never even kidnapped herself at the end of the movie. She never even kidnapped herself. She kidnapped herself and she never... You're entering a world of pain. And also, Walter's... Am I wrong? Am I wrong, dude? Am I wrong? <laughs> well, yeah, Walter, but am I wrong? Oh, gosh. It's so great. It's, it's one of those movies that seems... Like you could, if you weren't paying attention to this movie, you could put it on in the background and be like, oh, I don't understand this. This is just some some silly stoner movie or whatever. But like, there's so much, it's a really intelligent movie. I think that's the thing. It's yes. it's my favorite comedy, which is a movie that seems silly and, and on the surface, maybe even frivolous. But then when you look at it a little closer or you actually pay attention to the details, you're like, oh man, this is really smart. Like yes. there's as we've 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 already deconstructed this movie as essentially a philosophical conversation set in a bowling alley, basically. Yes, and it's, there's some of the some of the things that they talk about. I had to Google. I had to Google quite a few things, and yes, it comes across as very dumb and like it's not making much sense, but it is. It's making a yeah. lot of sense. So they go out through the ocean to scattered. Donnie's ashes. And if you'll notice, the dude is wearing a shirt that says on the back of it, Medina Sod. As for man, his days are as grass. And he's wearing a a grass a sh- a shirt that says sod on it. Mm-hmm. He is the man, his days, he is the man and his days are as grass. And then Walter starts eulogizing and he talks about the he talks about vietnam and the dude is always like what the fuck does vietnam have to do with anything you know (laughs) but walter starts talking about vietnam and he's and the whole time he's talking about how his his throughout the movie his buddy's dying face down in the muck that's traumatic shit like this is not this is a this is a deep movie and these these men are really broken in some ways and he's talking about the flowering men in vietnam right so we said so you you see this verse that says, as a flower of the field, as for man his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. And then Walter two, a few minutes later is talking about the flowering men of Vietnam and, and and how his buddies died face down in the muck. And I'm just like, wow, I did not notice that until just now. That's the thing about this movie, is that there are so many little nuggets. There's so many little Easter eggs. There's so many ways that they put this movie together and it just gets richer and fuller every time you watch it. And I'm like, and then then at the very end, the comedy ensues and he puts Donnie's ashes all in his face and you're cracking up and you're feeling what it feels like to, to be alive and to, to know life. And that's what I feel like great films are about is teaching you about life, how to live life, what life's about. And, and the, of course, the, the big fear that we all have of our death at some point in the future, you know, and the, the juxtaposition that we, we are alive now. And at some point we aren't going to be, there's going to be an other than there's going to be something other than this. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the story. And for the wind passeth over it, and it is gone. And so they they release Donnie's ashes into the wind. The wind passes over the the wind passes over the grass. He's wearing a sod shirt. The wind is passing. Like I'm just like all of these things. I don't know. Maybe I'm just making making a whole lot out of it and thinking too much about it. But I have to think that they did that intentionally. Yeah, they 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 intentionally put that costume on him at that time for that scene right after this 
this huge quote that they put on the wall behind. So it's it's just so rich and beautiful and so genuine. And I, I just love this film, Rob. I don't know what else to say. It's great. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I did appreciate it this time more than every other previous time. And I think it's... It's definitely, I can see this, uh, it is one of those movies that grows on you the more you watch mm-hmm. it. Like you you'll, you need to see it maybe two or three times to be like, all right, I get it now. This is cool. Yeah. This is a fun movie to watch. And like we were saying, it's such a vibes movie that you could totally just like sit there and really analyze every detail as, as it sounds like you did in your more, most recent rewatch. Or you could put it on in the background while you're like doing laundry and be like, man, this is so much fun. Look at this cool movie. Yeah. And it works on on in both ways. And I wanted to point out, there's a series of books, like it's called like pop culture and philosophy. And they've had like a billion different things. I have the Matrix one at one point and there's like shows and movies and stuff. And I was like, I guarantee you there's one for this movie, like the Tao of Dude or something like that. And there yes. is indeed the Big Lebowski and philosophy is a book that is out there, a collection of essays. Cool. So people are interested in that. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I think we should start a petition, cricket table petition that Carrie needs to get ordained as a dudist priest. Because yes. there is indeed, there is indeed a church of the latter day dude. If you go no to way. dudism.com. No way. I swear oh to God, God, there is. I'm writing this down. Latter you day. Can get, you can get ordained as a dudist priest. And you get like, they give you a little fish with, with uh, feet. It looks like it's wearing sunglasses and it's, it says dudism in the middle. Oh <laughs> my gosh. I love this. That's so um, great. So people that it are listening be, to this it's, and are, are dudists get, get, there's your, there's your chance. It's like Pastafarians. Totally. Yeah. We totally could do it. I'm sure, I'm sure we, the church would have many members. I bet. Many, I many bet. members. It's probably the most, they, I can't even imagine them ever having like a, a, I don't know, what would a, a mass or a congregation of dudists look like? I feel like it wouldn't even happen. They'd just be like, I was going to go, but then I was like, eh, I'll just, I'll there just would, sit here There would be beer. bowling, there would be whitewashing. <laughs> bowling, I guess, yeah. Stick. They, uh, yeah, like that but would getting be church, out of their church, homes a in a church group? session would be know. a bowling, a game of bowling for sure. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm really curious about this now. I'm like, what is this about? How does that work? Get citizenship to dude land, a state of mind. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it's uh, to your to your and the the church of the latter day dudes point. There is there is a, a perspective. There's a worldview that this movie represents. And it's one of peace and love and, and just you're not you're not hurting anybody. Like there's nothing. The, the dude is a it is per, portrayed as a very good, quietly honorable person, which I think is really is, is admirable it, just from that perspective as well. There is there's he he doesn't really do or say anything in this movie. We're like, ooh, I don't know, dude. I don't know if that. I don't know if I could take you there. You know what I mean? Like these. He works as a figure of of aspiration, like I was saying earlier. I mean, maybe maybe interrogating Larry Sellers might be like on the maybe. edge. I don't know. Like maybe extenuating circumstances. A minor child, but other than that, yeah, That's I can't. I can't see. That's probably the closest yeah. thing. Walter definitely Walter's definitely Walter, draws a line Walter. in the sand and he drew, he just rolls right past it. Yeah. Um, this is what happens when you meet a stranger in the Alps. That's that's one of the things that everyone likes to talk about is the TV version of the movie. Yeah. So instead of where he, where he says, this is what happens when you meet a stranger in the Alps. Nice. Yeah. Instead yeah. of what he actually says, which I'm right. not going to say because it's, uh, it's a little bit too graphic for me, but <laughs> it's such a great movie. Oh, it is. It was. It's John really Goodman's fun. so intense. John fucking Goodman. You are so right about that, Rob. Yeah. Oh, just- my my point being that I think I think this conversation officially brought me around. To, to, to the Big Lebowski, which the other guy is technically the Big Lebowski, but the dude is the Big yes, Lebowski. Yes, that's the other thing I think is very interesting is is the name of the movie, and he only says the Big Lebowski one time towards the end, and I love how the Big Lebowski carries um, a lot of the noir elements of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like when we see him, it's dark and it's secluded, and he's in front of the he's in front of the fire and. He's, he's playing the this intense classical music. And then in the end, when the dude's explaining everything, like he's putting the phone books into the briefcase and, and thunder and lightning is, is happening outside and it's dark. And, and so 
I, I did want to bring attention to the Big Lebowski because he he is definitely his own character, and he's certainly the, the a great villain in this movie. And we try to understand him a little bit too. I feel like he's very much a Walter. He he lost his legs from a what does he say from a Chinaman, which we we should know is not the preferred nomenclature. Right. Some Chinaman took them from from him in Korea, and he's. He's very angry, I feel. He's very angry, and Walter's very angry, and I feel like in some ways there's a, just a resentment or a rage for the choices that they've made and the consequences of their choices and how that influences their actions. And so each character has, has uh, their own, just their own vibe. Everyone is, is fully alive and... The, the Big Lebowski is just such a great villain and so um, magnanimous in his own way. So I don't I didn't want to didn't want to forget about him. And then yeah. Maud Lebowski too. We haven't even really talked about. We, we didn't mention Maude. much about. Maude oh Lebowski. my gosh, Julianne Moore yeah. in this movie. Yeah, she's great. she's great, and just the way that she in her own way, uh, challenges the dude is great too. And she comes in with a completely different energy. Like, I don't know, at least what, what is, is it's not, is it not quite halfway through the movie? Like she enters late. Like she's one of the, the last major characters. I feel like yes. she comes in with such mystery flying out of the darkness, yeah. like over his head, and screaming and splattering pain all over him and just challenging his, his thoughts about the feminine form and and oh, oh gosh, she's great. Julianne Moore does a great job too. I just can't. We could talk yeah. about this film for we hours, could. I'm sure. There's, There's so many to... ways to dissect it and go through it. I don't feel like women, you know me, we talked about feminism before. I don't feel like the women are such great characters. They don't seem like super, super, uh, morally fortified like right. tricking men into giving them their sperm and well it's Maud and, and bunny taking their money yeah here. it's Maud and bunny basically and then and then there's the girlfriend who gets her toe cut off right you know and then after she gets her co- toe cut off excuse me then walter's like what does he say he says like oh you're you're weak now running around with a nine-toed woman like <laughs> poor woman gets her toe yeah. cut off and then she gets lamented same so yeah i don't i don't think that it's you know it's not going to pass the bechdel test or whatever but no it's but i'm i personally am am willing to overlook that because it's it's just got so much going on that makes it so wonderful that i can't i can't even be mad at it i can't even be mad i'm sorry (laughs) and and of course Jeff Bridges got an Oscar like 11 years later for Crazy Heart, a movie I don't think anyone has seen. But I think I feel like a lot of people are just like, we're just going to pretend that was for this movie just like a decade late. Because this is clearly the character that has that he's played that has endured the most, I would say. Yes. And the dude abides for real. Yeah, I would be I would as an actor, I would that's the role that you would want you would want to have. The one where you and that character are linked forever and they're when people see him they see the dude i i hope that he's okay with that i think, I think he, he is. is i think, I think he, he, he is. i think he does partake of, of marijuana in real life as well he's known for that i believe so he probably ascribes to a lot of the dude the dude's beliefs he's probably he i wouldn't be surprised if he's an ordained dudist priest Honestly, <laughs> it wouldn't. <laughs> you'd be like, hell yeah, that would be great. That would be great. <laughs> the dude abides. So this is usually like the point where we're going to start wrapping things up. But before we do that, is there is there anything else about the Big Lebowski we haven't mentioned? You wanted to make sure we get into is like, is this a movie that your read of it has changed a lot over time? We've touched on that, but anything anything there you'd like to throw out before we start start wrapping up? I love it. It's just gotten better and better for me every time I watch it. It's never one of those movies that I'm like eh I, I'm not I'm not very excited to see it again some some movies you can only watch 
one time. Um, right. That happens me. with me a lot with comedies. I feel like this movie has been a slow and steady increase every time I've watched it. Mm-hmm. And then something like Anchorman, I watched it and I was like, I don't know about this. Then I watched it again and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then I watched it again and I was like, I don't know about this. And then I came back, like, <laughs> I keep ping-ponging back and forth with that movie, which is also strange and has its whole other energy, but not nearly as deep, obviously, as this one. That's more of an improv-based right. comedy. Not So like this, this film, very little of it was impro- improvised. It's, it's the... It's the and that's how I, I can tell you with almost absolute certainty that the the shirt that the dude is wearing in that one scene and its relevance to the Bible verse on the wall was intentional because they don't they're not they're not that filmmaker they're not the apatows where they're like all right just say something funny and we'll figure it in post we'll figure it out uh, they're like no no we think all this through and everything is is measured and deliberate and and I think that's part of why this movie feels so magical and why. I, a lot of fans are like, do we need a Jesus Quintano like standalone? Who asked for this? It's just John Turturro wanting to live in this head in this space. I think again, more than anything else. Yeah, well, they did give they did give him a little bit of leeway, like the the part where he's show, yeah. licking the the bowling ball in the movie. He came up with that. He improvised that part. So they right. they did let him let him explore their character a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know where the the need for the Jesus sideshow came out, but where, what were we even talking about? I'm so dude right now. I'm just like, <laughs> I, was, I was asking if there anything we didn't mention that you wanted to get into, or if, if not, like how has your read of this movie changed over time if we haven't t- already covered that? Uh, I think we covered most of what I wanted to talk about. I did, I did like... There's a shot where they put the camera in the bowling ball mm-hmm. and it rolls yes. down. And cool. there's also a couple shots. There's some good shots. Well, the, the dream sequences the, are the great. The dude going down the, the bowling alley, looking um, up everyone's skirts again, yes. not particularly feminist, but you know. Exactly. And also <laughs> the the naked ladies. Yes. The naked ladies, funny being funny being a, in a porno. All of those things smooth over as I watch it. But yes, it, it is it is funny, but it's deep and you can put it on in the background and not necessarily pay attention to it and maybe just listen to the great soundtrack that it has going on or or you can sit there and analyze it every time. It's it's got something to give you every time. I think that's what is great so great about it. Definitely. And it's got oh the other thing that you that I was saying, you were saying how Sometimes you don't want to rewatch a movie. Like you just don't feel like rewatching a movie. And that's the way I feel about mysteries. Once I, once I know what the, what the mystery is like mystery films, once I know what, who, who did it or whatever, then I'm not necessarily interested in watching the movie again. Whereas this is a mystery and you're trying to solve it, but yet you can still watch it again every single time and think it's, very entertaining and think it's funny and just enjoy uh what's happening so that's that's another thing i wanted to say about how it grows on you over time is that even though it is something that you could solve and you're like okay yeah we know we know what the big lebowski did you could still watch it again and again and just enjoy all the scenes like when they try to try to hand hand them up the so-called the ringer off or when they are fighting the nihilists like these scenes are just so great in and of themselves that they they have a life of their own and it's it's just so much fun to watch yeah it's rich and yet it's as you, smart as you said. yeah and you know it's smart and it's it's just oh Normally is is the point in the show where I would ask you to pitch this this movie to people who haven't seen it, but I feel like you just did that. So oh. if people have seen The Big Lebowski, like you, and they 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 love it, they appreciate it. it have you? Are there any other similar movies you would recommend to people that that love The Big Lebowski and they're like, I need more. I need more of this eminently rewatchable comedy, maybe with with a philosophical bent to it, not the Jesus Rolls movie. Like I'm saying, like a legit. <laughs> Something legit, I guess. Not that I'm I'm not trying to, to knock that film, but it does it does feel way more derivative than than anything else. Yeah, I don't know. And I think that's why this movie's so special is the 
what do you have to have to compare to it, you know? Because when you think of stoner comedies, you think of something that's usually more slapstick and more crude in nature. Yeah. Like a Harold and Kumar. Um, thinking, oh yeah, I was just going to say yeah. Harold and Kumar, Seth Rogen Pineapple, stuff, Impre- yeah. Pineapple yeah. Express. Yeah. Excuse me. Funny, super funny movies, but not so not so smart, not so much right. trying to tell us something. And the Coen Brothers is definitely trying to tell us something here. And I would say if you're if you were looking for something like this, that maybe you would have to try another Coen Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. But they're so different too. From each other. So the only, I would say, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou is similar to this film in the sense that it does create its own world and it has such a rich soundtrack to it and it's visually appealing and funny and it's got a mix of elements to it like this movie does. But as far as something that is like, the Big Lebowski, I can't think of anything, Rob. That's why this movie is so great, you know? Yeah, I, I think you 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 so said exactly what, what I was I was going to suggest, too, is that their films, right after this, they did Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And right before this, they did Fargo. I think, though, that's like a, right. that's like a really, really neat, like, triple feature right there. Like, yes. crime oh comedies with multiple genres like satire and, and like award-winning performances and blah, blah, blah. Like, I think those, they were on a real run in the, in the, uh, the mid late nineties, early two thousands there with those, this like Fargo's more of a dark comedy than, than I would say the big Lebowski yes. is, but with that, those playing with these kinds of elements. The same and, elements. Yeah. Yeah. Raising Arizona earlier in their career is another one. And then, cause a lot, a lot of the ones since that this film have been a little more serious, no country and true grit and things like that. Again, a lot of the same true actors grit was great. I love yeah. true grit. Oh, man. A lot of the same actors from this movie recur in a lot of their other films, John Goodman and Steve Buscemi and Jeff Bridges and things like that. So yeah, I think we that's watched probably the, another the one of theirs though. I'm trying to remember which one it was with Channing Tatum in it. And it was yeah. hail Caesar. That one I feel like tried to be what Big Lebowski is and just didn't make the mark. Would you agree yeah. with that? Like I did. I yeah, I do agree with that. I think it was it was fine, but it it does seem like they were yeah, it, they were trying to recapture this vibe, but the thing is that like this movie is has such a lightning in a bottle feel to it, which is yes. why the Jesus rolls thing feels so wrongheaded. Right. It, right. It's, it's, it, it's not, you can't take one character out of this movie and, and do like, I love Walter. I love John Goodman's performance. I don't really want to see a movie just about Walter. It's right. Walter in this it's mix with the dude and Donnie. Together. Yeah. It's the ensemble. Yes. For me, it might be the pinnacle of their career. I don't know. No control men's great. True grit. Great. But for me, for me, it just it just is the best of what they do, I feel. Oh brother, where art thou was probably my second favorite. So I, I that's where and then and Fargo great too, but yes, darker in energy. So mm-hmm. yeah, for me it's the height of, of what they can do and I just love it so much. So yeah. if I had if I had to convince somebody to try to watch this movie, first of all, I would I would want to know wh- who the audience is and what where I need to appeal to them because there are so many ways that you can appeal to a viewer on this movie. Are you are you interested in great music? It's got it. Are you inter- Are you more interested in a western? Are you interested in a mystery? What viewer are you? And then I would craft a perfectly persuasive argument to get them to see it because it just, it can, it can appeal to you on so many levels. And I think that as long as someone wants to be entertained on some level and is willing to give over their two hours to the Coen brothers, they're gonna, they're gonna feel like they've been rewarded at the end. And that's what you really want. You want, you don't want to waste your time on a movie. So you can watch this movie. One, you, the more time you give to the movie, the more t- the more it's bringing to you. The more details that you notice, the more things you can learn, the more quotes you can memorize to then impress other people with. Because the cult, I would, I 
I fe- I feel like per- for me personally, if you know the Big Lebowski and if you can spit a line at me from the Big Lebowski, like respect, real respect as far as cinephiles go, because there is this cult. There is this like energy. It's like we recognize each other. There's a church, Gary. There's, There's a, a church. church <laughs> So yes, literally, there's literally a religious following based on this film. So I don't know if that, I guess Star Wars might have like some weird version of people trying to be, follow the force mm-hmm. or whatever. I think there might be something. Oh, I'm definitely on one of those people too. Like, yeah, I'm I totally... think there's an organization with that. Like, I think you can fill that out on your religious affiliation or somewhere because I've seen that in the past. <laughs> I don't know if that's still the case, but other than though, like that film, which again, though, that series is so spiritual in nature as well. I don't know how many films with a real life church inspired by it I've covered on this on this podcast or any of my podcasts. So, so thank you for bringing The Big Lebowski here and finally getting me to appreciate it, appreciate it in the way that, that you do a little bit. And it's, it's, it's tricky because it's, 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 I think it is more of an acquired taste, as we were saying, I think the more you try it, the more you, you get into it, the more you, you see what the Coen brothers are doing. And so much of watching a film is is so colored by your, your experience, your circumstances watching it. So if you watch this like late at night and you had a bad day, maybe you're not going to vibe with it in the right way. Or if you watch it as a more conservative minded teenager and you're like, I don't know if this is for me, maybe as a, as a, as a more open-minded adult, you might, you might be like, Oh, okay, this is cool. I like, I like the dude, the dude abides. I get it. It's I'm in sync now. I don't know if I'm going to become an ordained dudist priest, but I have an appreciation for it for uh, the dude's teachings. Let's put it that way. And that's all, that's all we want, Rob. That's all we want. We just, well, we want you to, to understand the dude and just accept, maybe take a bubble bath more often. The dude just wants you to relax. That's all he wants. He just, he wants you to listen to some, some sound, some songs of whales and maybe go, play it, do a little bit of bowling every now and again, maybe pour yourself a white Russian and, and just admire a rug in the room, one with a moment, you know? And so, yeah, it totally makes sense that you said he's, he's just larger than life and it's become a, a myth almost. And that's definitely the way that it feels. And so I'm really happy that we could win you over. If you ever want to watch it again, I'm here for you. You know, if you're ever, you, there's drinking games you can play. Every time he says, shut the fuck up, Donnie, take a shot. I mean, oh boy. There's yeah. so, there's so many ways to just make the movie even more fun as you watch it. Yeah. I'm so glad that you've come around. So thanks for yeah, having well, me, Rob. I really I'm so glad we, we finally did this. We this did was, it. This was a, a, a podcast that was a uh, mythical in its own way. Cause yeah. it was like, does it exist? Are we ever going to do this? What's happening? And, uh, and we finally, finally made it happen. Carrie, thank you so much for coming on and we'll definitely do this again at some point, either on this show, we'll do in the mood for love, or you can jump on an episode of franchise detours. My sister show. If you, if you're, uh, I'll keep you up to date on what franchises I'm talking about there. And we'll, we'll figure out something to talk about. Definitely. All right. Thanks, you know, I'm always ready. Thanks, Rob. Big thanks to Carrie Jones for coming on to discuss The Big Lebowski. If you like this, you can give us a rating or review on Apple and Spotify. It was really fun to dig into this movie and hear Carrie's perspective of it. Like I said, it was really kind of a three-pronged uh, a relationship that I had with The Big Lebowski. And I'm glad that I finally kind of joined her perspective a little bit more and sort of understanding why this movie has become such a big deal and why some people are so passionate about it. So I'd like to hear what your first impression was of The Big Lebowski. Did you see it under the influence? Did you see it as a kid? Did you see it as an adult? And you're like, I don't understand the point of this. And then came around. Let me know. Find me on Twitter at Crooked Table, the same handle on Instagram or via email at robert at crookedtable.com. For now, that's a wrap on another Crooked Table production. Stay crooked, everyone. This has been a production of crookedtable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of the little KED.